Hello, and welcome to the family at World Harvest Outreach. Okay. I, I really loved worship today. And don't get me wrong, I love drums. Like, I love drums. But worship was really good today. I experienced the Lord's heart today. Very thankful for our worship team. I'm very thankful for what a year we've had. How many people had a great year? How many people was this year like, I'm ready for it to be over? Okay, we got a couple. You know, you can be thankful for both. I want to get to that, but it might be at the end because I got something else I want to talk about that just kind of came up in my radar. So how do you like when your speaker is transparent? Do you like that? Like, do you like it because you get to find out like some scoop? Because it's real. Yeah, that's why I like it too. But it's also scary for the person being transparent because it's vulnerable. You know what that definition is, by the way? We were just talking about that this week in a leader's meeting. What the definition of vulnerable is? It means prone to injury. So when you make yourself vulnerable, which you can, in fact, that's the only way to be vulnerable is to actually create yourself to be in a posture that you can be actually injured, actually injured. Or you can be in a defensive position. How many people are pretty good at that in this room? Yeah, defensive position, you will not hurt me. You cannot hurt me. Yeah, and there's ways to do it, and we can do it. So, and honestly, this kind of started in, from Reese's message last week, so I want to thank Reese for bringing that message last week. Did we all hear that? How many people got to hear Reese's message last week, really strong message on healing and how healing can look a lot of different ways. It can look absolutely laying on of hands, nothing else took place, healing. And we're believing that for Alicia, right? And we're also believing for the exact same kind of miraculous healing through medicine and doctors and medical care. You know that that's equally miraculous. I sent a message to him last week, like if you were to tell someone, like if suddenly someone from a thousand years ago suddenly showed up in 2023 and you told them what we could do with everyday medical care today, what would they say? It's a miracle. But because it's normal to us, because it seems natural to us, eh. Like, I, it's just amazing some of the things that these doctors and nurses and medical people can do. So all y'all that studied medicine and are now a part of our health field, thank you. And I just, I just want to do this because I remember doing this a couple years ago, but I want to do it again. If anyone in the church or in the Christian circles has ever tried to convince you that you are somehow second-class healing, I lift that guilt off of you in Jesus' name. Because you are operating in the Lord's anointing just as much as Shadabahanaba laying your hands on somebody. And if that offends anybody, we need to talk some more. That's what we're going to do. Because there is this ongoing separation between that which we consider secular and that which we consider sacred. The holy and the worldly. The spiritual and the 
Hello? We think this way. I believe with all of my heart that that is a dividing wall that Jesus came to destroy. In fact, I think Jesus destroyed that dividing wall. I don't believe any longer, I live in this mentality, that there is spiritual activity and there is natural activity. Years ago, Harold Everly was here and he told this really cool story. How many people remember this story about this person who owned a barn and he was out in the back part. Actually, no, it was Harold. I forgot. It was Harold's barn. And it's in the back part of his property. I've been to his house. I've seen his property. And for the longest time, it was just kind of abandoned. He didn't use it. It was back there. He had a bunch of stuff in it. But over time, these witches from their town began to use Harold's barn as a place where they would meet. Anybody remember this story? A few of you do. Okay, it's a really funny story. So, well, it's not very funny if you think about witches taking... <laughs> anyway, wait till the end. So week after week, they are finding these witches in their barn meeting. I don't know if they have a big cauldron or what. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what a witch's meeting is all about. But nonetheless, like every week, he's having to chase them out. And Linda, his wife, keeps telling him the same thing. Look, if you would just mow the grass and paint the barn the witches would go away. And Harold's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. So what he would do, every day in the morning, he would go out. Guess what he would do? Tell me what he would do. He didn't mow the grass and he didn't paint this farm. What did he do? He prayed. He marched around like Jericho. Anybody? Anybody ever done this? Oh, yeah. Marched around Jericho, praying, pleading the blood of Jesus. All of the tongues, all the different tongues that he could think of, he prayed in them all. The witches kept coming. Every week they kept coming. And Linda would tell him every time when he would come back in from praying, seriously, just mow the grass, paint the barn. They'll go away. No, 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 no. This is a spiritual battle, and spiritual battles need spiritual warfare. Wow, he just kept walking around, kept walking around. They just kept coming. So finally he's like, you know what? I think I'm just going to... Mow the grass, paint the barn. He did it. About two week period, took him almost a week to mow the grass. Has anybody ever let your grass go so long that your mower doesn't even work in the grass anymore? Yeah? You got to use like a bush hog or you got to bring the tractor in. That's kind of what it had to happen for him. He had to just move all of the brush just so he could paint the barn. I think you guys know the rest of the story. As soon as that happened, the witches never came back. Now, Harold still believes with all of his heart that the prayers got him to a place where he could listen to his wife. <laughs> so, that is a really simple story to say that sometimes a really ugly spiritual thing has a really simple natural response. And incredible things can happen. The bottom line is I want to say to you today, I don't think there's a difference anymore. So a lot of us here, when we leave here, we go home and we kind of have our rest on Sunday or whatever it is that you do on Sunday. And then on Monday, you go wherever it is that you go. Some of you go to work. Some of you stay home. Some of you go to the schools. Some of you go do volunteer work. Some of you go wherever it is you go. And there's this mentality in our minds that we would never think of that thing as spiritual. 
I want to challenge your way of thinking that everything is spiritual. Everything. What makes it natural or spiritual is the spirit in which we do it. That's the difference for me. So I've said this for 20 years now. It's not the thing. It's the spirit of the thing that makes the difference. Okay? Uh, could you throw up the... Uh, did you get my text? I know I just sent them to you five minutes ago, but I did send them to you. Uh, Isaiah chapter 6. We've gone over these verses before, but I just want you to see this. I did not prepare to preach on this, so if it sounds rough, it is. Isaiah 6, verse 1. How many people know these verses? Powerful. In the year King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with the train of his robe filling the temple. This is one of the really clear pictures we get of heaven. Like we get to see a glimpse of the heavenly dimension. And it's in the year that King Uzziah died. Verse 2, seraphim stood above him. Seraphim or just another word for like some type of heavenly or angelic being. The, the seraphim stood above the Lord, each having six wings. With two, he covered his face. And with two, he covered his feet. And with two, he flew. One called out to another and said, this is so important. If you can catch this simple truth, it will change every part of your life. Okay, so before I read verse 3, I just want to leave it up there. You can read it if you want to, but let's remember 1 and 2. Isaiah is suddenly brought up. It's in a situation where a king had just died. So there's some type of like mourning going on in his life. There's some type of like negative situation that took place. And in the midst of Isaiah's like thinking about the death of the king, it says the Lord brought him up into a vision of heaven. And you get to see heaven in the midst of a broken situation. And he says that the thing that he notices is the Lord and then these seraphim above him flying. And we're about to hear what these angelic heavenly beings are saying to one another. So this is like Isaiah's having a vision of heaven. And he hears the seraphim say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. So here they are. Just picture it. They're up above the Lord doing this. And they're looking at the Lord and they're declaring how holy he is. And then the very next words they say takes Isaiah's perspective back to the earth. Wait a minute, I'm having a heavenly experience here. And then you say, meaning the seraphim, say, the whole earth is full of whose glory? His glory. The what of the earth? Come on, say whole earth with me. Whole earth. I looked up the word whole. Guess what it means? All. Entirely. It doesn't mean little shadows and pockets are missing. Everybody say all. All the earth is what? Guess what full means? Has the same definition as whole. Complete, full. Have you ever poured water into a cup and kept pouring? 
that kind of fool. The whole earth is, say it with me, full of what? His glory. Look, Isaiah is in a moment where the king has just died. And we're not sure what's going to happen next because the king just died. And God brings him up, shows him heaven, and then reminds him, look, the whole earth is full of his glory. Some of us in this life, in this context of our lives and the world situations that we find ourselves in, we want to have a picture of heaven so that we can escape the pain, the difficulty, the challenges, the struggles that we experience on the earth. And we we get brought up and God shows us. Have anybody had a moment like this where you just have this moment with the Lord and you're just like, oh, thank you, Lord. I'm like getting, I'm getting rejuvenated. I'm getting refreshed by your spirit. You are having an actual encounter with the Lord where he refreshes you by showing you the difficulties, the challenges, the situations from his perspective. If you don't, you're not having an encounter with the Lord. I want to put that out there. The whole point of having an encounter is not that you stay in the encounter, but you bring the encounter back to where you know you're going to have to go tomorrow. Are you with me? That's changing the spirit of what you're about to do. Because if you don't take that encounter with you into tomorrow's work, it's no longer sacred work. It's secular. It's just natural. It's just a thing you do. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray. And then I'm going to go do my work. No, you're going to pray as you work. You know, you can do this, right? Has anybody ever been in a work situation and you knew deep in your heart, my spirit is praying. My spirit is communing. My spirit is literally carrying this encounter that I had with the Lord, carrying this encounter right now. Or an an encounter with the Lord is initiated in the middle of your natural, secular work. The Lord just shows up right in the middle of it. I love those moments. I, I remember days, and I think I told you guys this story before, where I had to go in to cook at the restaurant right on the grill, right in the middle of the day, and I remember just talking to the Lord while I'm cooking burgers for people. And I can have these incredible encounters. I actually think those burgers were right on temp every time while I was talking with the Lord. It's, and it's the beauty of being able to not think of your work as something other than holy. The whole earth is full of his glory. Psalms 24, 1. I think that's another one, right? You guys know this one, right? The earth is the Lord's. And all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. Well, there, right there, in the Old Testament, he breaks another really strong dividing line mentality we have. There are people who God loves, and there are people... Come on. All right. I know we don't want to verbally say that, but I know we think this. We have Christians, and then we have these 
God loves us because we come here on Sunday morning and we sing his praises to the Lord and then we go out into the world. Those are his too. And that's the mentality that shifts when you have the spirit of heaven at work with your work. The earth is the Lord's. All it contains, the world and those who dwell in it, those who dwell in the earth are his. So I'll tell you why this is personal to me. This is the transparent part, okay? So every once in a while, maybe all of you get this, maybe none of you get this, maybe some of you get this. Every once in a while, I get someone that encourages me. Have you ever had someone who sends you a text or an email to encourage you? I got one today. I got one this morning. I got one five minutes before this worship service started. It was rough. I got one of those, and I haven't had one actually for a little while, but this person has been uh, coming up into my radar screen again lately, and they sent me a very direct prophetic word that judged me outwardly with no understanding of what God's doing inwardly. And I'm actually going to be as transparent with you to tell you what part of it, some of it was, I'm not even going to share part of it, but one part of it I do want to share with you because I think it's really important that we, and I want you to think in terms of everything I just said, about secular versus sacred, about having a mindset where everything is the Lord's. You with me? It's really important, okay? So this person came to the church office about two weeks ago and wanted, maybe it was longer than that, two or three weeks ago, and wanted to have a meeting with me. And those of you that know my life from day to day, you know that I'm not in this office anymore, okay? You know that I have multiple businesses that Dawn and I oversee, yet this is still what we would consider our church and our ministry. And when they came and they saw Diane at the office and Diane told them, oh, Mark's hardly ever here anymore because he's out doing his businesses, that offended this person to the point where the text came through to me today that you cannot, this is, these are the words, I'm just going to say the words, you cannot focus on business and also pastor. Those were the actual words in the text. And it's like, it's like and I was actually going to, and Reese already preached on this secular versus sacred thing a little bit, and I was already in my spirit. And it's like this thing, five minutes before the church service starts, pops up on my phone. And there's a lot more to the text. But that's the one that really got me. And the, the corresponding, uh, or no, sorry, the result of that experience that this person had when I wasn't here, and they found out I was doing business, was the anointing for ministry has left you. Because I am pursuing business instead of ministry. Now, I will tell you this. From an outward perspective, I probably spend more time with my business throughout the week than I do on ministry. I'm, just, I'm being as frank and honest with you as I can. And I will tell you, for many years, my wife can attest to this, I felt it was the opposite. And as a result of that, my family suffered. Not just financially, even though it was definitely financially. 
For years they suffered financially. But as well as also, I was focused on the ministry. And when and I said this to the leadership team this week, when you focus on ministry, pastoring has got to be part of it. And people are time consuming. Hello? Y'all take time. Yeah. Wayne, you know it. Ruth, you know it. Years and years and years. And I'm not saying that's bad. But I took a shift and I knew the Lord was leading me this way. And it wasn't so that I could make money. And that is the outward judgment that has to change. The outward judgment is this. If someone's focused on business or their work or their employment or whatever it is out in the world, they're focused on money. Guys, I do not believe that judgment about you or about me or about anyone else who feels like the Lord has called them to build business or to advance the kingdom in the marketplace. Guys, it's really all about the spirit in which you do what you do outside of here. And I want to keep coming back to that. There are incredible things that people are doing in the school system, in the hospital system, in the marketplace, and in the business community. And it's all for the glory of God. But the judgment has to be lifted off of the church and off of Christians and off of people in general that if you pursue that, it's not holy. It's not ministry. The Lord's not involved. So this is what I want to say to you. And again, it wasn't, I don't want you to feel bad for me. Don't feel bad for me because I know where the Lord has me. And I have had people leave this ministry, this church, this family, because they thought the same thing. Yeah, Dan. What did, what did they think about Paul? Because Paul was always a potential. Paul was always tent making. Always You're right. Known as one of the most notorious apostles. apostles. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that, I, I don't know. I don't know how to answer your question. But you're right. That is a worthy question to think about. But my biggest reason for bringing this up to you is I want you all to free yourselves if you suffer with this. Because this thing came out of nowhere. Like this person just popped back up into my life over the last couple of months and has laid a couple of these kind of messages into my life. And I just, I almost feel like I need to like uh, take the curtain away on this mentality because this person is pursuing ministry wholeheartedly, completely. And I have some thoughts about this person that I have to lift judgments off of too. I'm going to be very transparent with you. Because of the way that this person is pursuing ministry, I don't see it the same way this person does. And as a result, there is a, there is a, a divide between how this person walks in the kingdom and how I walk in the kingdom. I don't think certain things are secular and certain things are holy. I believe if my heart is for the Lord and I am with the Lord and I know I'm his son, no matter where I go, it's holy ground. This is Old Testament preaching. I'm not even talking to you about New Testament. Joshua was told, man, you just step holy. You take a step holy. Where was David trained to shepherd Israel. Anybody remember? In the field. He was learning how to shepherd people out in and the field, by the way, several thousand years ago, was the marketplace of today. Yeah, and where did he get in trouble? 
Look, I got a whole message for you someday on what I think about pastors who spend all day in an office. I get really nervous, and I'm seeing a whole lot. And I'll tell you, it's going to continue happening where I feel like a lot of ministries are going to get exposed of what's going on because we call ministry full-time, and we devote so much of that energy and time to full-time ministry. I'm very concerned about people who do that. I'm not saying not there are some that should be doing it. I, it's very possible, but I know a lot of men specifically who are caught in full-time ministry, and it is hurting them and their families. There are way too many, oh my gosh. Should I just say it? I feel like there are so many, and men specifically, I'm just going to say this, men specifically, who are wasting away in pastoral offices. They're wasting away because there's so much they can offer the world, but they're spending all week preparing a message. I Can I tell you, I multiple businesses that we have, my message is being prepared in me all week while I'm working, while I'm coordinating, while we're overseeing multiple projects and doing all of this. That message, like I have never struggled with a message because I don't have office hours, ever. The message that a pastor brings should be the overflow of the relationship he or she has with the Lord, no matter what they're doing. If the message you bring is the result of, I have to study, I have to do this, I have to do this, I question the encounter with the Lord that you're having. Are you hearing my voice? I hope you're hearing this. Like, I want my message to be the overflow of the activity of my father in the life of his son. And that's what it is today. I think that's healthy. I think that was the way God intended it to be. Here's another reason why I love being out in the marketplace every day. Because you don't have a guy standing in front of you that doesn't know what you're going through every day. I am right there with you. And I'm showing you that you can walk in a vibrant, dynamic relationship with God and work really hard. Hello? You should be really excited about that. You shouldn't be looking at me like, um, I don't know if this is a good thing or not. This is a really good thing. This is a really good thing to have a preacher and preachers because Ben does the same thing all week. Kendall, Reese, Jocelyn, all very busy throughout the week. None of them are sitting in an office. Jesus, I pray I really get a good message for next Sunday because these people really need to hear this. None of them are doing this. All of them are out engaging with people in the marketplace, in everyday life. Guys, you should thank the Lord when you pray for your leaders that that's what they're doing every day. Hello? Yeah. Because it's real. It's real. It's not like I have my spirit life over here and then whoop, I can do whatever I want over here in the natural world. No way. It's all the fathers. It's all the Lord's. And my prayer is that you hear that for your own life. If you go into the school, those of you who are teaching and all that, look, if it were me, this is the way I look at it. It's my church. These are my people. They have been given to me. They are in my heart. 
entrusted to me. I will pour out everything the Lord is putting on the inside of me for them. Otherwise, what are we giving them? If you ask me, what we're giving them is just what everybody else has given them. And they're going to walk away the same as when anybody else did it. But they're not just anyone else. They were given to Matt Beckering, Amber Beckering, Jen Everett. They were given to you. They need to walk away from you having an encounter with the Father. And you can do that if your mindset is right there, Tuesday afternoon, 1 o'clock, I am with my Father in heavenly places. Hello? In Christ Jesus, right now, in the hospital, in the workplace, wherever you are, I am seated where? Right then. When Dan is on a roof, he is not falling off that roof because he is seated in heavenly places with the Father. It is all the Lord's. It changes it changes everything. about. I know it's hard sometimes to think about it when you're in the midst of working, but here's, here's what I trust in. If I'm focused on what I'm doing and I'm not consciously thinking about the Lord or thinking about Jesus, you know what I'm doing? I'm trusting that the Lord is consciously thinking about me. There is a beautiful trust that when I'm focused on doing my job excellently, I have a Father who's backing me up with all of his love and all of his attention. And then in that moment where I'm really focused and his attention is on me, all of a sudden I'm like, oh, pops right here. This is awesome. Back to work. Look, here is the beauty of this. How many moms and dads do we have in the room? Okay, just think for a second like a mom or a dad. Are you with me? How much time... Do you enjoy your kids focusing on you? I want to hear it. I want to hear it. This is a good mom, and she just said very little. Somebody else? Okay. All right. I understand where you're coming from. Different story. Somebody else? So let me do it this way because you guys don't want to honestly answer. Let's say you're all sitting in your living room. And all of a sudden, all of your kids drop to their knees at your feet and tell you how great you are for about 15 or 20 minutes. But wouldn't it be awesome? 15 or 20 minutes, right? Just them telling you how incredible you are, how you're the best mom or dad ever. Thank you for everything you've ever fed me, given me. Thank you for the roof over my head. Thank you for the clothes on my body. Thank you for the Nikes on my feet. All of that. Now, after about 20 minutes... Yeah, what do they want? Yeah, what do they want, right? Like you're starting to think something's up. They want something else, like something else is going on. There's some kind of manipulation going on here or something. After 20 minutes, every good parent should say what? Go, who? Say that again. Go do something. Guys, that is exactly like I want to weep thinking about the heart of my father who loves the attention, but only for like, okay, I got it. You love me. Now go show me. No, I mean it. Go show me. We think go show me is show up on Sunday morning. Guys, with all the love in my heart, he enjoys that. But then he's like, okay, come here. Uh. 
Hello? Every good parent in this room, I know some of you aren't so great sometimes, but you're good sometimes too. And even in your good sometimes, you're thinking, <clears throat> because you want the rest of the world to experience this kid that actually knows how to honor mother and father. Huh? That's your father. Worship, incredible. Ministry to others where you're actually like laying your hands on them and praying for them. Fantastic. But you know what sets the stage for all of that? Everyday interaction with them out there. That's why it's holy out there. It's just as holy out there as it is right here. It's just as holy. It really, like the altar of the Lord is anywhere where a heart is open to the Father. That's the altar. So in a church on Sunday morning, yes, we can have a altar call and you guys can come up and you guys can weep and be prayed for and incredible things can happen. But I think the Father's heart leaps with joy and anticipation when he sees every one of your open hearts turn and go out there and realize how many different altar calls can take place everywhere you go. It's all his. It's all holy. Even if you're one of those remote workers who only sees people electronically, trust the Father that there could be an altar call right there. That people can encounter your Father through you right there. Hello? Amen. So here's what I think. I'm actually going to finish. You should be thankful. Like, yeah, yeah, it's 11.31. Look at that. <laughs> I ain't done yet. I ain't done yet. I do ask you for the next couple of minutes to fix yourself. And I mean this with all of my heart. Fix yourself. Because the spirit of a thing is more important than the thing. Okay? And I use this example and I'll use it again. Um, most of us, I don't want to say most of us because I'm making a judgment or an assumption, but a lot of us heard about sex before our parents ever told us about sex. Very true, right? Some of us, parents never even talked to us about sex. We just had to figure it out on our own. Okay. So, but I'm bringing this up on purpose. Just give me a second. A lot of people learned about sex through friends, classmates, or TV, or movies, or whatever. And as a result of hearing it that way, the spirit attached to the information was different. It was perverted. It was broken. It was void of the life of God. But when a godly mother and father sit and talk to their child about this, there's a spirit attached to it that is beautiful and holy. And when they think about it, they don't think about it the way that other spirit would have taught it to them, and they think about it. Okay? That's a, that's, in my opinion, that's one of the greatest stark examples of the spirit of a thing is more important than the thing. Sex is beautiful. It is holy. It was designed by God. Someone say amen. amen. It was designed by him. 
made for his glory, and we get to share. Hello? And the result is all of you. You guys do realize that, right? <laughs> I know you don't think of yourselves that way, but before you were, they were together. Let's just put it that way. That is beautiful. So here's how I want you to fix yourself. I want you to just take a moment with the Lord right now and ask the Lord to heal any area of your life that you don't consider holy. Sacred. Given to you by the Father. For your pleasure and his. So let's close your eyes. The earth is the Lord's. You are the Lord's. All it contains is his. Your thoughts, your feelings, your desires, your finances, the people in your life, your vision, your hopes, they're all his. Lift every label off that says it's not. Every area of your life, offer it to him as his. All the earth is full of his glory. All of you, as his son, as his daughter, is full, overflowing of his glory. You, right now, no matter how you think about yourself, that's why you need to fix yourself. Because when he thinks about you, he thinks about you full of his glory. You are full of his glory. And so now, Father, I ask that you heal every area of our life where we think of ourselves as unholy, as natural and not spiritual, as this is mine and this is yours. Nope, it's all yours, Father. All of this is yours. Father, I ask that that line that separates what's good in us from what's bad in us, I pray that it dissolve right now in your love. Let him in. Let him into every place in you you've labeled as not his. Let him in. Intentionally give him place in your life. Where you feel beat up, where you feel broken, where you feel you have failed him, yourself. Let his loving Holy Spirit flow there. Come on, do this. Don't blow this off. This is a holy moment in him that's going to create ongoing holy moments. Father, have your way in their lives. Have your way in our lives. 
if you can, with your eyes still closed, picture the seraphim over the Lord shouting, holy, holy, and then hear them say your name. Your name is full of God's glory because it's true. It's true. You, right now, are full of his glory. And I bless you to believe that because it'll change how you live. It'll help you to forgive yourself. (laughs) Man, a lot of us could use that. It'll help us to take ownership things that we need to rule over. Thank you, Father. And I pray that you have the ability to thank the preacher for letting you out early in Jesus' name. (laughs) Amen. Thank you, preacher. Love you guys. Happy Thanksgiving.